I'll give you one that I actually did take um, this morning um, that that I think is still uh, actionable, and I'll, I'll I'll give you a Buffalo uh, minus. Uh, I think you can still find minus eight in the market. Um, yeah, and I it, it, I also took by the way um, alternative spread minus nineteen and a half at plus three twenty. It was on FanDuel. I don't know if that still exists, but uh, I like taking some of these odds, and I'll tell you why. Um, but to me, I, I don't, again, I'm fading narratives. I don't care what happened last week. The whole Josh Allen is, you know, may not be good anymore stuff is nonsense. Um, if you ever paid attention to how he's played against this Jets team in the past, you'll, you'll understand. I mean, I, I do all these write-ups for every single game and for my website. And I even, you know, I didn't take Buffalo or the Jets last week. I was kind of neutral on the game, but I, I noted that, I thought the under was a decent play because just the Jets are built to stop Josh Allen. And if you look at the last three matchups against Josh Allen, you know, two games he posted a negative EPA, which is rare for him. Uh, one game he barely posted a positive EPA and, you know, 46% success rate. Um, he put up 27, 17, and 20 points in those games. You know, he, he looked and he struggled in, in all three. And if you follow that up, you know, each game the, ne the next week uh, in the last three versus the Jets, he's put up 47 points, 70% success rate, plus uh, 0.859 EPA. He had 30 points, 58% success rate. Uh, success rate in, in another game, he had 32 points and 57% uh, success rate in the third game. So every single game following the Jets where he struggled, he's come back and had, you know, awesome numbers. And in fact, that First game, uh, the plus 0 .85, uh, 0.859 EPA, 70%, 47 points, was that infamous uh, wild card game against the the Patriots where they could not be stopped, that they never punted, and he looked like the world beater. The prior week, he struggled against the Jets. So, again, I, I, sometimes it's just like the Browns and Burrow. Like, you get a bad matchup, and for whatever reason, um, they just uh, – the certain defense can, can slow you down. So, I don't care what happened last week. He, he forced things. I get it. But it's just – that's just who the Jets are. They're really good defense. They might be the best in the league. So that doesn't bother me. And so to me, I think this, this should be more like a 10-point spread. Um, so getting eight, I think, is a solid solid value at that point. Um, but So I think he'll be fine. I don't believe in this Raiders defense. Uh, they got Max Crosby and literally nobody else. He's the only one who put any pressure on Russell Wilson last week. Uh, Russell Wilson was actually pretty effective. They just didn't push the ball down the field enough. You know, when you only have Cortland Sutton, and really no other wide receiver to stretch a field. There's not much you can do. Uh, so I think it was just a matter of the, the Raiders looking better because they played a, you know, a mediocre offense. And the fact that their offense did a really nice job. Jimmy G controlling the ball, converted a ton of third downs. Uh, you know, every single drive that they, they started, they did not um, – they ended up getting at least one first down in every drive, which is pretty, pretty spectacular. So he did a nice job, but – you know, they lose Jacoby Myers, who was his security blanket. You may think that's not a big deal, but if you watch that game, he was literally the one guy that Garoppolo targeted every single third down. He converted, I think, five or six first downs last week, caught two touchdowns. He was awesome. He's out with a concussion. And, you know, now you only have Devontae Adams. You don't have another outside receiver. Um, Hunter Renfro is just a slot guy. So I think that, you know, the Bills can eye uh, Devontae Adams and Tredavious White. Uh, I think they'll get more pressure on Garoppolo than – um, than Denver was able to do. I mean, Denver put no pressure on him at all, did not make him feel uncomfortable. You know, back-to-back -back road games to start a season. And again, we don't want to talk about you know, a, lot of, a lot of these kind of week-to-week uh, -week trends. But, you know, if you look back, you know, starting the week on the road twice, especially when you just came off of a, uh, came off of a win, 
you know, typically uh, those teams don't perform well. And you got one that's going from, you know, uh, uh, Las Vegas to, to Buffalo. So you a little bit of travel there. So, you know, and, and there's things, there's other stats that say these teams that, you know, get upset like Buffalo in the first week uh, and are facing a team that, that won in an upset, you know, those teams typically you want to back. So like all of those things to me uh, line up to, to take Buffalo here. And the reason I like the alt, the alt number is, Amazingly, 25 of the last 31 Buffalo wins have been by double digits. You can believe that. Like they, they just when they win, they destroy you. And so, to me, if they're going to cover this game, I think it's going to be by a really big number. So I took a shot with uh, uh, the minus 19 and a half here. All right, a big case for Buffalo. And spoiler alert, as if it's going to spoil the surprise for anybody who regularly consumes props and hops, the Bills at that current point spread going to come up again in a future segment when we talk about teasers. But I think even against the spread, you, you've you made your case. I hear you on that. And I also heard you right off the top noting that doing this Friday afternoon can be a little bit tricky. And I do think that some of the best betting value that people can get does come early in the week. So it might seem a bit hypocritical of me to say that and then do the show at the time of week that I do. I'll just note that I think what I do best and what I can hopefully bring to provide value to the audience is consuming a ton of information and filtering out what signal, what's noise, and just distilling the best of the best when it comes to the signal. And taking a good chunk of the week to do that does mean the show comes out later. But just because some betting value, a lot of betting value, frankly, is gone, as you indicated by having Panthers plus three and a half, as well as Chiefs minus two and a half in pocket. A lot of value is gone. That doesn't mean all the value is gone. I still think there is value to be had. And the bet that I'll get to here actually wasn't available at the right number early in the week. And I think it has moved into a much more bettable range. So, TA, I'd love to hear what you think about the Patriots plus three hosting Miami. That's going to be my favorite side on the board as things sit right now. I came to this one independently. I also heard Steve Fezzik note it is his best bet on the dream preview. So that was a nice confidence boost to hear that um, somebody else with his track record came to this play as well. Really looking at this on both sides of the ball when the Dolphins are on offense. Mike McDaniel, I thought this might be the case heading into last week's game against the Chargers. He certainly had a counterpunch for Brandon Staley after that week 14 beat down the Chargers gave the Dolphins last season. And if there's going to be any coach in the league who can have a quick counter to what McDaniel showed with that brilliant week one scheme, I think Bill Belichick and week two would be the guy to do it. So when Miami's got the ball, I don't see quite the upside that they just really blew out of the water against the Chargers last week. And when New England has the ball, Vic Fangio's scheme is designed to limit explosive plays. And I think that's a lot more effective at times against dynamic quarterbacks. So we saw a pretty big impact on the passing numbers the Chargers put up with Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore's first game as the offensive coordinator. Some people disappointed the Chargers weren't more explosive passing the ball. But when we've got a guy like Mac Jones and the Patriots offense as it's structured, I think they're better equipped to win ugly if that's what it takes, if that's what the Dolphins and Fangio are willing to give them. And in terms of, again, looking to not overreact to week one, but react accordingly, I'll note the Dolphins earned that win and cover against the Chargers. While that game could have gone either way at the end, Miami did show very well. I think New England showed better than the scoreboard win to indicate. However, they, they earned a cover, if not an outright win against the Eagles, outgaining them by almost a yard per play. They were minus one in turnovers, including a pick six. So overall, I just feel like the spread 
overstates the gap between these teams. And TA, one one little math exercise I want to run by you and math alert to all the, the viewers and listeners out there. I, I think this spread could also overstate the gap between the Patriots and the Chargers if we look at things in a certain way. Uh, so TA, just offhand, uh, let me kick this off by asking you, what would you make the line between the Chargers and the Patriots on a neutral field? Uh, I would have uh, Chargers. I can look at my numbers, but I would have them probably uh, minus two and a half. Okay. I, I think that's that's definitely in a reasonable ballpark. That's comparable to what I would have thought. And if I look at last week's closing number against the Dolphins, the Chargers were laying three, and it was shaded toward three and a half at a lot of sharper books. And I think if we're generous, we can give the Chargers one point for home field advantage. So that says Chargers about two and a half points better than Miami. And then this week, New England plus three hosting the Dolphins. Let's give the Patriots a more standard these days, two points of home field advantage. So that's saying that Miami is about five points better than the Patriots on a neutral. Implication there, if the Chargers are about two and a half points better than the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are about five points better than the Patriots, that's telling us the Chargers are about a touchdown, if not a tick, more than a touchdown, better than New England. And I know we've got to take some context, adjust for week one performance, adjust for some injuries. I know in the YouTube comments, there's a note about the Pats injury report. So I want to account for some O-line concerns, especially. But the matchup here, I think, favors New England, looking at what Miami likes to do offensively, better than it did the Chargers as a heavy favorite last week. So all in all, I, I like the Patriots a lot here, clearly. I like that Circa and Bookmaker slash Chris are soft three shaded toward two and a half. To me, that's an indicator of where the market is more likely to go if it moves any further here. TA, any thoughts on the Patriots plus three hosting Miami? Well, it's funny. So when this, when, what I do, uh, I know a lot of people do this. I don't look at my numbers. I don't look at anything. I, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty accurate with um, guessing lines. I'm usually like within 90%, you know, within a point by, you know, 90% of these games. And um, I had right away Miami minus three. So when the line opened up, I think it was two. Um, I was I was thinking about pulling the trigger on Miami. And then the more I thought about it, I just thought that, you know, kind of going cross country from Miami to L.A. and then back to Miami and then up to New England. I thought that was a little bit much. I, I agree that I think McDaniel spent all offseason kind of preparing for this counterpunch with Staley because that's all he heard about in the offseason. And he even talked about it last week. He joked about his press conference about Staley kind of you know, figuring out in quotes uh, uh, his offense. So I think that meant a lot for him and his staff. So I do think they spent a lot of time there last week. So, you know, you could get a little bit of a deflated look here. I will just say the one hesitation I have with New England is they have been utterly pathetic again uh, as, as underdogs in the last couple of years. If you look at Mac Jones and, you know, my website, I've got, um, I've added you know, a bunch of new tools that you can do some some queries um, uh, against spread and totals and stuff, and also you know quarterback queries. And if I look, uh, I believe Mac Jones has uh, gone O for his last eight <laughs> against the spread as a uh, starting quarterback uh, as a uh, an underdog, which is amazing. Now some of that has context. Like last week was a you know a coin flip. He probably should have not only covered, but maybe one that came out right. But in just in general, I I wonder if. Uh, the market gives Belichick a little bit too much credit post Brady um, in these types of situations. And I, I, you know, I can't figure it out. And that's why, you know, last year I would have, if this was the same situation, I would, I would have jumped all over New England at plus three, but I learned my lesson last year. I had them versus Baltimore at home. They got blown out as a home dog. 
Um, I had them another time where they looked horrible uh, as a whole, as a dog and got blown out. And I just kept thinking to myself, what is going on? Like, why is it that, you know, you would think in these spots where, you know, they're underdog, Belichick will get them up, they'll coach them up, and it just doesn't work out. And then maybe it's just Mac Jones, but for whatever reason, the market, I think, over overvalues um, Belichick and this Patriots team uh, in an underdog spot. I mean, they are typically undermanned and they are well coached, but maybe just the talent kind of out, out does everything. And they he has struggled against Tua. Two is three and oh in this uh, in the last couple of years against Belichick. Like for whatever reason, he's he's played pretty well against his defense. So I don't know. It's all it's it's a lot of minutia for me to say that I don't have an opinion either way here. I could totally get uh, backing New England at three. Uh, definitely wouldn't back them under three, but at three, I can at least make the case. And I think, you know, you'd have a shot. Uh, and again, the situation, you know, does help them. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Miami is coming off that big win and having to go cross country multiple times. I, I do think that does, you know, weigh on the Dolphins a little bit. But man, whenever you're, uh, you essentially need to win uh, for the most part to uh, to cover against someone like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Watt on that offense, it's scary. But, you know, I totally understand uh, where, where you're coming from. All right. So we've got TA on Buffalo minus eight. Myself on the Patriots plus three. Um, I'm seeing, again, uh, it looks like we've got um, another comment about the Patriots offensive line being hurt. They had a corner get hurt in practice right before facing Tyreek Hill. I acknowledge that's that's not great. And I take that into account. But when Circa and Bookmaker are the low people on the totem pole, uh, on Miami, then to me, that's also a little bit telling. And I think what Belichick can do that Staley was clearly unable to do against Mike McDaniel means more to me than what the market thinks it means. So we'll see uh, what it all comes down to when the rubber meets the road on Sunday night in Foxborough. And moving on, TA, let's talk some teasers. We have a lot of options on the board this week. If we look at that classic model of going through both the three and the seven, Right now, it looks like the Titans have seen some money early on on Friday, so they would be a candidate to go up to plus eight and a half, hosting the Chargers. Green Bay, you could take them up to plus seven and a half at Atlanta. Chicago, plus eight and a half at Tampa. Buffalo, minus two, hosting the Raiders. Still a couple options to go. San Francisco, minus one and a half at the Rams. And Pittsburgh, plus eight and a half, hosting the Browns. TA, a lot to work with here. If you were to hone in on a two-team six-point teaser uh, that you like best among all these options on this week's board, what would you say? Well, full disclosure, I did have a, a nice long teaser uh, that I put in two days ago. I have Houston plus seven and a half uh, and uh, San Francisco down to one and a half. So that would have been my answer, but you know now Houston's a favorite, so you can knock that off. Um, so I definitely think San Francisco should be one leg. Um, you know, Again, you have them as the as the, the favorite in the NFC and, and many people have upgraded them. And I don't believe in, in what Matt Stafford um, put together, not Matt, Matt Stafford. He's great, but just the rest of that offense. I'm not really buying that, you know, that they can do that again and string together another, uh, you know, good game against a team like, uh, like San Francisco. But I think the Niners are clearly, you know, probably my favorite side from that perspective. Um, man, I think I would, wow. Um, you know, maybe take, I would take Buffalo down, um, as my other leg and just get them down under a field goal. So I would just say, you know, taking both Buffalo and San Francisco, um, under a field goal would be probably my pick right now. 
I thought we might be hearing Buffalo from you in this conversation. And it's it's tough to disagree, especially if you like them against the spread straight up then as a teaser like that. That's got to feel like fishing with dynamite, perhaps. Of course, there's a second leg that would need to come through in the teaser. And the Niners bring a lot of appeal in their own right. I'm going to say I was planning to include the Niners in mine. Uh, maybe I'm being swayed a bit by your case for Buffalo. Right now, if I were to identify a two-teamer, let's say Buffalo minus two, against the Raiders, and then Pittsburgh plus eight and a half against the Browns. You've made the case for Buffalo, and you might have some pushback for me when it comes to this Steelers leg. As a Browns fan, um, maybe some hometown bias there, and maybe some other just more objective analysis that you can push back on here. But with the Steelers, I'm willing to go back to the well, um, thinking about this a bit mathematically as well as more subjectively from the mathematical standpoint similar to last week home underdog in a game with a low total i think this week they might be the lowest total on the board um yeah still seeing 38 and a half there i mean that's almost a, a preseason total so the relative value we get and each point crossing through the three and the seven really gets magnified when we're talking about a game that's projected to be so low scoring also here we've got a division rivalry so there's some good familiarity a lot less variance typically when we're looking at that kind of dynamic and getting a bit more subjective with it from a handicapping standpoint. I know, uh, again, um, if I'm backing an injured Patriots team, I'm also looking to back an injured Steelers team here. A lot of talk about Deontay Johnson, Cam Hayward missing some time. That matters, of course. I feel like I haven't heard as much talk about the Browns being without Jack Conklin, an anchor on their offensive line. So I think that's also going to come into account. And then as good as the Browns were last week, and uh, I followed Hitman getting down on some Deshaun Watson futures, I feel like there were a lot more questions than answers about Watson's arm strength in 2023. So I'm I'm just looking to take one more chance on the Steelers in a teaser early in the season. And again, you've made the case for Buffalo. Full disclosure, I'll probably look to do a three-teamer with Buffalo, San Francisco, and Pittsburgh. I see a lot of appeal there, and you can often get those in the range of at least plus 160, but um, better payouts that can be available if you shop around in the range of plus 180. So um, that's something I'll be looking toward. But TA, for the purposes of a standard teaser, any thoughts on pairing Buffalo with Pittsburgh rather than San Francisco? So when, you know, I'm a Browns fan, but I'm not, I'm not completely biased here. So I'll be very objective um, when, you know, the one thing I, uh, after the Browns blew out Cincinnati and I saw the Steelers got blown out, I was like, oh boy, this is, you know, Browns have to go into Pittsburgh on a Monday night. That, that's, it's a tough proposition when you have kind of those, um, kind of that, those competing factors. But then when you really evaluate, you know, the Steelers team and the fact that, you know, that I don't think you can really downplay the Cam Hayward injury, uh, especially you know, and Deontay Johnson as well. First of all, Deontay Johnson is impactful because with Pickens and Allen Robinson essentially left for, for Pittsburgh uh, outside, you have two of the, the kind of the worst separators in the NFL that are more contested, contested catch guys. Like Deontay Johnson is that guy that gets open. I mean, he's one of the best from that perspective. Um, you know, that's going to be a huge loss. Uh, I'm sure they will use Calvin Austin. And I don't, I mean, although, you can't guarantee anything with uh, Matt Canada at OC because he, he's probably one of the worst in the NFL. So they're probably just going to run the ball a lot. But this Browns defense is pretty ferocious. I knew they would be a top 10 level defense coming in. Three good corners, really good pass rush. You know, but when you add Jim Schwartz and some of the creative things that he's able to do defensively, you know, Burrow had no shot last week. And so I'm not saying the same thing's going to happen again, but you know, with a kind of a mediocre offensive line and no, you know, separators outside, you're just going to see a lot of picket um, handing off or, 
you know, throwing up, you know, one-on-one balls um, to, to guys like Pickens. So, you know, it's going to be a struggle for them offensively. There's no doubt. On the other side of the ball, yeah, no Jack, Jack Conklin, but, you know, Dewan Jones is a fourth-round pick from Ohio State. Um, highly recruited guy should have been – easily could have been a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick. You know, but he had some weight issues uh, in the offseason that, that bothered people, um, bothered scouts. So he dropped to the fourth round. But he is – in every situation they've put him in, he has really succeeded. He played the entire Hall of Fame game in the opener out of nowhere uh, and held his own against guys like Huff on the outside against the Jets, for example. They had a couple of good um, uh, pass rushers that played a handful of snaps, and he, did, he held his own there. And then he played the rest of the preseason and played very well. Last week, I don't think he allowed a single pressure – uh, when he came in for Conklin. So he's kind of, I mean, he's a mountain of a man. I have no idea how he's going to do, uh, you know, with, with the noise factor and the get off uh, with, with guys like TJ Watt and Highsmith. But, you know, I don't think it's as much of an issue as, you know, it could be with kind of a standard, you know, uh, drop off from a starting right tackle to a backup. I mean, he's got the talent level to be a high end tackle. So, you know, uh, it remains to be seen, but I don't think that's much of an issue. I mean, the Cam Hayward injury is a big deal. Like they, they, if you watch some of the the, the, the cutups from last last week's game, we I mean, only played a handful of snaps. But then once he left, like the, the you know the, the middle of the, that defensive line just opened up. Uh, whenever McCaffrey got the ball, I mean he broke off that huge one. They, they don't have really anybody else to replace Hayward. Guys like Latavius Adams, uh, Demarvin Neal, those guys, Demarvin Neal, those guys are not very good run run defenders. If you look at some of their PFF grades, et cetera. So like, and they don't have a good, you know, Alander Roberts is the middle linebacker. Like they, you know, they don't have the greatest run defense um, to stop you know, Nick Chubb, et cetera. So I think it's going to be a grinded out game. Again, a low scoring game. You do have kind of that, you think you have that floor from a teaser perspective, but you know, there is a chance that Pittsburgh in this current state, Pittsburgh just isn't very good. And the Browns blitz them and win, you know, 17, uh, seven and, uh, you don't cover your teaser, but I, I totally get it. Uh, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, this is, they clearly are going to be up for this game. And, you know, uh, I think they're going to harass Deshaun Watson, who takes a lot of sacks. It's his one issue. Uh, one of his issues is he uh, he invites pressure. So, you know, there is a chance that this is just, you know, a 13-10 game, right? So um, totally get it. And I, I don't blame you at all for, for taking that. But I, that, I just wanted to give both sides of the coin here. All right, well, you heard it here first from T.A. Deshaun Watson's one issue, he takes sacks. Otherwise, as a player, as a person, no other issues. So uh, uh, all good under center in Cleveland there. All right, um, I, I also – oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, again, what it has nothing to do with offense. <laughs> oh, oh, of course. Yeah, definitely just poking fun uh, at, at that. That's uh, – all good. Not not something to uh, to make light of um, any further. So let's move on, TA. Before uh, before the show gets canceled in week two, um, there are some six and a half point teaser options on the board as well in the range of, uh, I'd say up to minus one thirty. Those can be worth playing in the right spots. And we're we're getting some options. I, I feel like it'd be remiss not to just touch on them briefly. The Colts you could take up to plus seven and a half at Houston. You timed that game very well from a teaser standpoint earlier in the week. Also Cincinnati. A bit outside the box, but you could kind of cross through three twice. They're a juicy three-point favorite, and six and a half points could get you to plus three and a half for the Bengals hosting the Ravens. And then Dallas, a consensus nine-point favorite right now. You could take them down to minus two and a half hosting the Jets. And if I were to play a six and a half point teaser, I'd probably cross off Houston right now. I just feel like there's a lot of unknown with both quarterbacks involved and a lot of variance early in the season. 
So I'll pass on that game. But with the Bengals, again, as a juicy minus three, you're getting closer to seven points for the price of six and a half. One, two, and zero can be pretty dead numbers to tease through. But if you're getting three, essentially a couple of times, that does bring some interest to mind in my book. And then Dallas, you know, asking them to do a little more than one outright at home against Zach Wilson uh, sounds a little bit too good to be true. So don't take it for granted that anything is going to be a lock. TA, any thoughts on a possible six and a half point teaser if somebody wanted to look the way of the Bengals and the Cowboys? Nah, I'm not a fan of either one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would just take Cincinnati straight up to be to be honest. Um, if you're going to do that, um, I don't. I actually like uh, Dallas's team total under a little bit. I think the Jets' defense is legit. I mean, if you look at you know uh, some of their numbers last year, you know they were number one in my what they call a consistency ranking. So they they held their opponents below kind of um, their season average, the highest rate in the NFL. You know they were really good. The one thing they didn't do well is they didn't they didn't cause any turnovers. They were they had the fourth lowest uh, EPA gain on turnovers last last year. So and we saw last week where they had five turnovers they caused. So if they're going to get a little bit of that, you know, bounce of the ball, the regression going their way, you know, they could be the best defense in the NFL. And I just, to me, if you have a, an elite defense like this, and we've seen it time and time again, like how often have we seen in the last couple of years where a starting quarterback goes down, market overreacts, um, typically overreacts, you know, to a point for the favorite where it's, you know, there's value on the underdog and, um, the underdog not only covers, but wins outright. Like we see it so often, uh, these teams rally around quarterbacks. I don't know if Zach Wilson's that guy, right? Cause he's kind of been there and he's not just like a spot starter. He, you know, he's been there for a couple of years, but, uh, I don't know whenever you have an elite defense like this, um, uh, it, it scares me to even take a, a good team like Dallas. I mean, I love Dallas this year, but, uh, it's not the, to me, it's not worth that, that tease right there. So, um, I would, I would probably get pass. I hear you on that. And I also know a lot of people won't be able to resist getting exposure on Dallas in some way, shape or form this Sunday. And I think one of the most common ways that a lot of betters will look to attack the Cowboys would also be to put them in a money line parlay with the Niners and the Bills. I think that a lot of talk already making the rounds about that money line parlay against Buffalo, San Francisco and Dallas in the range of even money minus 105 ish. And that can sound like, again, if it sounds like it's almost too good to be true, then that should get you thinking twice. You brought up some wise words of caution as far as Dallas goes. But if you're going to look to do something like this, I would suggest basically getting at the same outcome for a much better price. And that would be a three-team teaser, especially as some books now are down to eight and a half for the Cowboys. You can tease these three teams down through the three and get a payout in the range of plus 160 to plus 180. So yes, it's possible that one of them could win by one or two and the money line parlay would hit and the teaser would not. But for the extra 60 to 80 cents that you're getting, uh, just consider that three-team teaser rather than a money line parlay. Again, if we're looking at much better value for essentially the same outcome. Any thoughts there, TA, just in terms of how to get down if you are inclined to get exposure on the Bills, Niners, and Cowboys? Yeah, no, I mean, I I think you explained it pretty good. I think that's that's perfectly fine. Like I said, I to me the Jets game it seems to like for whatever reason. Um, I just think we have an elite defense like that. Just that anything could happen, uh, and I just <laughs> if you want to get down, getting under a field goal, I think is the right right spot, especially with that low of a total. Um, you know, getting on, under a field goal, I think is important. So the other two, like I said, on their own, they might be it might be fine. Um, but yeah, if you're going to take Dallas getting under a field goal is, is definitely, definitely the goal. 
And Tia, I want to note, I'm not sure if you're able to see it in real time, but you're getting a lot of love in the chat from our YouTube audience. So thank you, everybody, for the kind comments there. Thank you for Justin on your note as well, enjoying the show as always. Um, love to hear it. We've got some great guests, so we'll look to keep it going um, moving forward, but also to make sure that you all can continue to enjoy the rest of this show. TA, want to make sure we also touch on props and the opportunities that could be on the betting board there for week two and the NFL. Is there one actionable prop that you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, I don't know if it still exists because I think people were probably <laughs> before I, I came on here, so you have to tell me. Um, I, I think Justin Herbert is, and I haven't, I'll be honest, I think I saw it initially at 277 and a half passing yards, and I think it was like 282 right before I jumped on. So it might be even higher now, but um, and I think people have the same idea I do. But I just think, you know, for me, uh, and I, I would probably, to me, I would take this anything under like 286, 87. Um, like to me, I don't care what happened last week with the. You talked about the Fangio defense is really catered towards stopping big plays, keeping everything in front, the two high shells, um, inviting the run, which the Chargers did, and they don't do on anybody. So um, it kind of shows you. Um, so definitely that they took advantage of that. So I don't really care what his dot was last week. It's just that that, that game and that, that defensive strategy was conducive for, for kind of shorter passes. So I'm okay with that. Let's, let's see what happens this week. You know, they go up against the Tennessee defense who, you know, they're an elite run defense. They're number one in the NFL uh, last year. Uh, they held Jamal Williams last week to two and a half yards of carry and a horrible success rate. So, you know, most teams just, they, they used to do this with Tampa too. They um, say, we can't run on them. So let's just, we'll just drop back and throw 50 times, 40, 50 times. And last year, when you look at Tennessee, they led the NFL in opposing quarterback pass rate uh, over uh, over expected uh, in neutral game situations, so teams didn't even try and run the ball on them. They, they you know, they, if you look at the Eagles game, for example, it's a classic um, situation where you have a smart coaching staff that said, "Oh, we're not going to try to jam jam our running back up the middle against this you know this great defensive line. We're just going to you know pick apart your terrible secondary." And so they blew out uh, they blew out the Titans last week or last year. We saw Derek Carr throw for over 300 yards. Uh, he's able to get the ball down the field. So I think. There'll be plenty of situations for Herbert to push the ball down the field. You know, Eckler may or may not play, so that reduces again your your you know kind of interest in running the football. You'd hope Staley. You know, I'm losing a little bit of faith in him, but you'd hope he's you know making positive uh, EV decisions here, where um, he will decide to, to put the ball in, in Herbert's hands. You know, last year uh, they uh, against a set of um, uh, quarterbacks, and I think they averaged something like. Uh, 245 yards per game against Tennessee, they allowed almost 300 yards, um, which is pretty ridiculous. They um, gave up 11 of 16 quarterbacks that you know dropped back at least 20 times in a game against Tennessee, uh, went over their average uh, passing yard total. Five of them threw for over 350 yards. Um, even Herbert himself in that game last year, he wasn't very good. He wasn't very efficient. Threw the ball 42 times, 313 yards. Uh, the Chargers pass the ball 65% of the time. You know, as long as this game is not in a blowout um, kind of script, which I don't see this, I think it's more of a toss-up and obviously a three-point spread. Well, we'll tell you that. Uh, I think there's plenty of reason for him to keep throwing. I think they can pick apart the secondary. Uh, I, you know, he threw for 313 yards last last year with, with poor efficiency. You know, I think he can get to uh, uh, above that. So I like the 282 and a half that, that I saw right before. 
we came on. I actually like if you go on DraftKings, I think FanDuel has this too. If you want to, for a little bit of fun, you can take kind of weekly specials. So uh, most passing yards on a Sunday, I think he was at plus 800 before he came on. That's a fun one. If you want to sprinkle a little bit on that, if you think he's going to throw for over 300 yards, he's definitely going to be in play. So those are the, the, that's kind of my first look. I, I For me, I don't do a ton of props, but when I do, it's more about uh, finding very specific matchups and, and areas that can be exploited. And this is one that I think that can be exploited. I mean, just to tell you, I mean, he averaged 278 yards last year. So literally the books opened this right at his average last year. They put no effort into, they don't care, right? It's just, it's a loss leader, but um, they, they put no effort into this and, and it's going to be pounded up because, you know, people are paying attention to, to matchups, et cetera. We'll, uh, we'll hammer it. So um, I think there's still some value there. And that's the one I'm going to, just because you're a Chargers fan, I've decided to give you that too. I'll take it. You know, I, I try to stay objective last week, the Dolphins being my best bet against the spread. So I'm not just looking to blindly back my team. Uh, but if anybody was following along um, what I was sharing on Twitter earlier this week, you'll know that I am in on this as well. So TA and I did not rehearse this at all, but that is definitely my favorite look on the prop betting menu this week as well. And TA, I'm excited to hear that from you because this actually, from what I saw, it did open in the high 280s and came down. And there's been a lot of talk about the low A dot last week. I think that has a lot to do with it. I'm with you on why we can pretty much give it a pass for this week. If the Chargers aren't attacking the Titans secondary in week two, then really um, we'll start to reevaluate what to think of Kellen Moore and the outlook for the rest of the season for their offense. But I think you made a really good case for Herbert's over, so I won't add too much more to it than that. Yeah, I am seeing 281 and a half flat, okay. um, pretty widely available. So. I think that's a go in both of our books. One more thing I'd throw out that's related to this. You had a derivative of basically leading the league in passing yards. I've also gotten down on Herbert's longest completion over 37 and a half. And for a bit of context here, you touched on the Saints really airing it out against Tennessee last week. They had four different players with receptions of at least 25 yards. So it wasn't just the Chris Olave show. And they had two separate players with receptions of more than 40 yards. So any interest TA and maybe a split ticket between not only Herbert's yardage over, let's call it 281 and a half is a widely available number, you know, maybe a flyer on him to lead the league in passing yards, but any interest also on an angle like Herbert longest completion over 37 and a half. No, I mean, I, I just haven't done the work on it to, to give a, <laughs> give a great answer. I mean, if, if you've done the work, then, you know, I'll, uh, I'll trust you on that. I, I personally just like, you know, the volume, aspect of it um you know you could actually just do pass attempts i don't know what, what his number is but if it's in the upper 30s i would take that over more than anything so yeah i mean that could be an offshoot of it but he can easily get to that that he can clear the 300 yard mark or the 281 mark um even without getting long long um, receptions like that so I, to me i'd rather go volume than anything so um, but you know i totally get where you're, you're coming from um, and hopefully, you know, maybe they get a Quentin Johnston a deep ball or a, a Mike Williams deep ball. But, um, you know, again, it, it's kind of all in the same thesis that, you know, you just attack this Titan secondary. You don't even try and run against the brick wall. That's your defensive line. And, you know, you, you hope that you break some big ones. So, um, I mean, I think it's all in the same family. Yeah, and the mindset of all it takes is one can be very dangerous when it comes to props. So, for the record, I have the majority of my exposure on the passing yardage number for the game to your point, embracing the volume there, just thinking with a lot of correlation, if he does go over his number, then we're probably going to see it at least one uh, in the range of 40 yards, if not longer. So just a little bit of exposure on that angle as well. T 
TA, one more prop I'd like to run by you. I was in touch with Adam Chernoff over at Right Angle Sports earlier this week, and he has expressed to me, as he then uh, did on his podcast, A Simple Handicap, this morning, a lot of interest in Anthony Richardson as an anytime touchdown scorer. Earlier in the week, before this line was available, he was telling me he thought it might be in the range of plus 125, and even that piqued his interest. Um, but it opened plus 180 again, and I'm still seeing it in the range of plus 160 for Richardson to score a touchdown. And when I was talking with Adam, he mentioned that Shane Steichen has a track record of running quarterbacks in the red zone. That's especially likely to be the case for Indy, given their issues in the rest of their backfield. And uh, while Adam was anticipating a much lower price this week with the backfield situation, the Colts have got a lot of intrigue in Richardson to score a touchdown. Any thoughts, T.A., just offhand on what you would consider to be about a fair price on Richardson anytime touchdown score against Houston? My biggest concern there is the concussion. Or, I mean, he didn't have a concussion. Whatever, he got knocked out last week, right? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be a tad more conservative with his running this week? That's my only concern. I mean, he's obviously a lead athlete. He can get outside. Um, you know, Houston's linebackers, Denzel Perryman's questionable. You know, but otherwise, they're not the most athletic bunch. You know, so he's going to have some opportunities. I Again, I... Do they want to force the run again? If they get to the one yard line, they're just going to do the you know the the butt push. But um, so you got a good chance there. But you know what 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 are his kind of you know what's a strategy with and the injury look like from that respect? That's my only concern. Um, I think the number's fine, um, and I get the reasoning. It, it's just you know some of those are fluky. Like he really has to you know you got to find situations where he's going to be inside the five yard line, ten yard line a lot. How often is that going to happen with this offense? I'm not sure. Um, but you know, I totally get the angle and, you know, uh, I don't have a fair price for you. I think, I think what, you know, what is out in the market is, is perfectly, is perfectly uh, fine. So, um, totally understand the reasoning, but the, if it wasn't for last week's kind of getting knocked out and maybe, you know, if they don't want to completely overuse him all right off the bat, um, you know, I would be on board with you for sure.